What are you talking about? Hell no. Uh uh, that ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just wanna keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You got to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start. This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's gonna start. It, yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's gonna start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. get too deep in the weeds in this because this isn't a political podcast but i got some political thoughts for you fans of politics i heard an interview with elizabeth warren on the breakfast club with charlemagne the god and two other people they were talking about her history of native american heritage or lack thereof should i say for those unfamiliar with Elizabeth Warren, who she is, what she represents, and her lack of Native American ancestry. She is a presidential candidate running in 2020. I believe she also was up for candidacy in 2018 or 2016. But the reason I'm discussing Elizabeth Warren is because she is a proud former Native American, if that makes sense. This woman is as white as the sky is blue. Skin white as butter, as my grandmother would say, which doesn't make much sense because most butter I eat is like yellowish. But in any sense, Elizabeth Warren, back in college, because of stories she was told by her aunt's uncle's mama and pappy, as she said in this interview, I always feel like these people running for president try to ingratiate themselves with middle America and the South by saying mama and papa, like, you've been living on the hill for the last 30 years. I'm pretty sure you don't have an accent anymore. I grew up in East St. Louis. I lived in Florida for a large majority of my life. I don't speak with an accent. I know how to wipe it away. You hear me? But for some reason, when she gets in interviews around black folks, she want to talk like she from down home. It's just really, really fake. I remember when Hillary Clinton was saying y'all. I'm like, ain't you from New York? I never heard nobody from New York say y'all. But in any case, this woman's from Oklahoma, and she was told some stories by her mammy and pappy that she's part Native American. And she made sure to draw that line of distinction between tribal heritage and the non-tribal heritage, which she doesn't have. She's not a person of color, as she stammered through the interview. Look, I'm not trying to besmirch or belittle Elizabeth Warren and her credentials. I'm sure she's well qualified to be president, way more qualified than the dude we got in there now, who shall not be named, like Voldemort, who I'm more willing to name than him. Elizabeth Warren just represents what's gross to me about politics. What's gross to me about any person trying to identify with a group or with a minority that they truly have no idea what it's like to be. Elizabeth Warren wouldn't be deemed a person of color any more than I would be deemed a Caucasian walking down the street. I don't hold it against her. She's under a lot of pressure to succeed. I mean, if you can't beat Trump, who are you as a candidate? And I guess that's what a lot of people who are high up on the hill are thinking, but I think they're too isolated. You know, I live in D.C. or close to it. I'm D.C. adjacent. That's what we say in the DMV, and I can't believe I just said we. I'm not from here. 
Anyway, in Maryland, the Silver Spring downtown region, we're pretty close to D.C. I can throw a rock and hit it. And I just think a lot of them people got their heads too far up their asses or too deep in C-SPAN to recognize that most Americans identify with people that are willing to give them something, whether it's entertainment, money, or, I don't know, some type of tax break. And Trump's doing all that. So... I don't know, uh, Andrew Yang has been the most attractive candidate to most people who are willing to vote Democrat or independent, socialists, whatever they want to call themselves. Bernie is probably going to get a little bit of push, and obviously you got old Papa Joe. But most of these candidates are just dusting the wind. I mean, you look at Kristen, Kirsten Gillibrand, she was Hillary Clinton's younger sister. I thought for sure this chick might have a little bit more gravitas behind her campaign, but that hasn't been the case. New Yorkers don't muck with her, and most people don't mess with her, I guess. I've seen her in a couple of interviews. She lacks charisma. She did a cooking segment on the D.C. Zemiro show. Like, that was so awkward. They came to her house, and she fried chicken or some shit. So I'm trying to get the black vote. Trump ain't trying to get the black vote. He say, look, they're going to my African-American. And I'm not saying go to Trump tactic. All I'm saying is be yourself. People can see through all that inauthenticity. This is 2019, baby. We got the internet. We can Google everything about you. We know your beliefs. We know what they used to be, and we know what they're going to be, most likely, because you're going whichever way the public wants you to. You're like a puppet, and we like Geppetto, and it's hard to watch. Now, I say all this to say, Elizabeth Warren will not be getting my vote. And it isn't because she stammered through an interview with Charlemagne the God on Breakfast Club. It's because she seems dishonest. Anyone that's been involved in politics for more than 10 years and hasn't made any major changes, I just think you're more a part of the problem than you are the solution. And maybe that's a pessimistic point of view, but I still vote. I'm still involved. I still pay my taxes. So I should be able to say what I want to say, especially on the podcast that I made. Now, I said I wasn't going to get too deep into politics, and I already made the mistake of doing so. I apologize. That was five minutes of straight mumbo-jumbo. Nobody wants to hear and nobody cares about. But I had to bring that up about Elizabeth Warren. If you haven't seen the interview, please do so. It's on YouTube. It's about 48 minutes long, but I believe that moment is about 23 minutes in, and it's kind of awkward if you're into awkward humor, and if you're into people being called out on their bullshit, you'll appreciate it. He called her the initial Rachel Dozal. Slap in the face, verbally. I appreciate Charlemagne for stuff like that. It takes courage, man. You think about the great shock jocks of my era, and I don't know if you call him a shock jock because that whole term kind of died with the Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh's and Don Imus's, but her dudes out here still making a name for themselves in just terrestrial radio, and Charlemagne is one of those names that's come along the last 10 years just saying some outlandish things to mostly hip-hop and cultural icons in the black world, but he's been really, really making headway in all different facets of American society with his books, and, you know, I heard Joe Rogan talking about him, and if Rogan talking about you, I mean, he liked the white Oprah, so you get that nod of approval, and you're pretty much good to go. But I was saying all that because we all change our mind because of new information. At least I would hope you do. I would hope that you're willing to acquiesce to a new way of thinking if you're presented with facts that combat your original point of view. If you aren't, you're not the type of person I'm willing to converse with on anything, let alone politics. We can get quite contentious. So we had a game last night. Talking about a game of mental warfare, not just physical. 
There were eight champions named. What game am I talking about? The 2019 Scripps National Spelling Bee, of course. Now, while you fools were wasting your time watching basketball, I was busy expanding my vernacular, becoming more verbose, all those V words. I have a vendetta against victory. That doesn't make any sense. But you know what I'm saying, man. I was watching them little Indian kids spell stuff, and there was one little white girl. She was impressive. She spelled a word that I can't think of right now, but when she heard it, she goes, For the love of God, can I get the origin, please? For the love of God, can I get the origin, please? It was like Battle of the Nerds. It was like battle for who's going to run the world in the next 30 years. It was like a battle for who's going to lose their virginity first or last. I think it would have been more cool if you told the kids spell their own names. Because some of those Indian kids had names longer than the words. Some of the words were like Darius or something like that, which... If you spell it out and sound it out a little bit, you, you can figure that out. For me, spelling shit is always harder when you're saying it out loud, though. I could write it down and look at it, and if I get like ten tries, I can get it. But that's why these kids are champions, and I'm not. But for real, some of these kids' names were Rivka Vayashi. Like, if you can spell that, you can win the whole thing. Fuck all the other words. But they were saying they ran out of words. doesn't make any sense. They ran out of words. That spelling bee was going over like four hours. It was running in the Scott Van Pelt late night. I was like, shit, man. These kids are up spelling all night. And they on speed. I wouldn't put it past these Indian parents to be giving them speed. They're like the Joe Jackson of spelling bees. Like feeding these kids a bunch of different amphetamines to get them pumped up for the spelling bee. Like they do Navy pilots or uh, different fighter pilots in the military. Get them all hopped up on shit so they never go to sleep. Like truckers. But you're spelling shit. What am I talking about? <laughs> Indian kids spelling hard words. That's what I'm talking about. Big words. Now, outside of that war of the words between who will be the next CEO of Google or Uber or some other tech company we haven't heard of yet, there was a game for the world title. Now, I'm not talking about the world title of words. I'm talking about the world title of basketball. Last night, Kawhi Leonard, along with Spicy Pascal Siakam, a guy I'd never heard of before 2019. I'll be completely honest. They balled out. I understand he'll be this year's most improved player. I'm a big fan of the way they played against the Warriors last night. If you didn't see the game, they just blitzed them. Defense stifling Steph. Mark Gasol moving his feet like an offensive tackle. A technique, A technique. Just sliding all over the court. Barely jumping off the floor about two inches. My boy Kawhi Leonard hobbling, hobbling, but still locking shit down. Getting in the paint, forcing the action, making sure he gets to the free throw line. Doing the little things. Kyle Lowry taking charges. The whole team contributing. I underestimated this team's depth. The Raptors definitely took care of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the last time I talked about basketball was when they were still playing the Milwaukee Bucks. That's how long it's been. I expect them to win game two. It is also at home. And he needs to come up with a new name for Jurassic Park because that's not what it is. It's just raptors. There's a lot more than raptors in Jurassic Park. They had Tyrannosaurus Rexes and bio 
engineered super T-Rexes and shit, and we want to talk about Jurassic World, I think it should be just called Zone 6. It's a better name. And Drake then took over that shit anyway, so it should just be what he wants it to be. OVO Land. OVO Land. October's very own... I don't know. Speaking of Drake, he almost got his ass dropped by Draymond. I don't think that's really going to happen. But if it did come down to throwing those hands, Drake would definitely call security. Because Draymond's like 6'7". I went to Pittsburgh this past weekend, celebrate Memorial Weekend in a different city. One I hadn't been to in a few years. I'm a fan of the Steelers, so it makes sense for me to go to a city that they play in, even if it is in the summer. I went with this lady I've been dating. Won't say her name on the podcast, but we've been going steady for the last two months or so, and it's interesting. I haven't been in a committed relationship for some time, and I use the term committed loosely. Or I should say I don't use the term committed loosely. Yeah, man. Getting asked questions and, and being held accountable for things I've said in the past. Relationships are funny, though, because when is it okay to start asking those tough questions? And I guess some people would say, first date, be blunt, let them know, weed them out early. But I mean tough questions like, those type of questions where you're trying to figure out whether or not there's somebody you want to settle down with. The kind of questions you can't ask on the first date without looking crazy. Like, yeah, it's okay to ask somebody, so do you like kids? Do you see yourself having kids someday? In passing. But to me, I don't even think that's first date conversation. Hell, it ain't second date conversation. I'm just feeling this whole thing out. Now, if after a month or two you want to ask me if I see myself having kids, yeah, for sure. Now, if you want to ask me if I see myself having kids with you, that's a year-long survey, girl. We got to do some deep diving into your family history, into exactly the things you expect of a family unit. Because I got high expectations. I'm just not out here making these decisions flippantly. It takes a lot for me to say, you're the type of person I want to settle down and have children with. But when is the right time? Two months? Three months? Six months? Personally, I have a four-year philosophy. And it's not a four-year plan on having a conversation. It's a four- to five-year plan on executing what the conversation shouldn't even need to be. Because if you carry out this plan to full completion, exactly as I say it, you're going to have a woman in your dreams, man in your dreams. You date for a year. You do not live with that person. Honestly, I don't even think you should spend the night on more than just the weekends, maybe a vacation or two. But during that first year, maintain your own space. And depending on how often y'all hang out, you might want to push that to a year and a half, two years. So do that. Year to two years, you're dating. After you made the determination, this is the type of person I could see myself living with, you live with that person for a year. You determine their bad habits. 
If they're a messy type of person, yeah, we might need to get a maid. Is it something you can overcome? How messy? Figure out their sleeping habits. Because maybe y'all spent the night a few times, but that's not enough to figure out whether or not they're a bad sleeper. And for those who don't know whether or not they're a bad sleeper, trust me, you're probably a bad sleeper. You're just too cute for your man to tell you. You got to figure out if they leave hair in the sink, they leave hair in the shower, all that nasty shit some women do. I'm not going to say all women, because that would be painting with too broad a brush. All men ain't toxic, are we? Even though this is some toxic talk that I got going on right now. For the most part, I believe that after that year of living with the person, by then you figured out if you want to marry them. Year and a half, two years of living with a person? Yeah, you know if you want to marry them. Cool, you propose. You stay engaged for a year. Yes. No quick engagements here. You stay engaged for a full year, planning that wedding. You figure them out at their worst moments, because that's probably going to be as bad as it gets during that wedding period. Outside of when you first start having kids and maybe go through, you know, some type of death in the family or, you know, unfortunate events like miscarriages. Outside of those acts of God, the wedding planning phase and getting to that point with cold feet and all that is probably going to be as tough as it gets. So do that for a year. Go through that engagement for a year. Go through the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows of that situation. And then once you marry, that's about five years. Right? That's five years you've been with this person. Stay married for a year. Enjoy your marriage. This is real advice. This is shit Steve Harvey wouldn't tell you and act like a lady, think like a man, because he was trying to come out with part two and get that movie deal and all this stuff so he could make sure that he capitalized monetarily. Me, I'm giving out free game because I love you. Stay married for a year. Enjoy your woman. Enjoy your man. Step out. Travel. Take them two incomes and use them. Save some money. Put it towards a better future for yourself. It's okay to be selfish because you're going to spend a whole lifetime being selfless if you decide to have kids. People think it ends when they're 18. Yeah, if you did a good job raising them. Might end earlier than that. But if you did a shitty job, like most people I know out here, you're probably going to be raising that kid till they're at least 26. Let's just be honest. Till about 26. At that point, you can probably go ahead and shove them one off. Even if they're not fully prepared, you can wipe it from your conscience because you've done all you can do. 26 years? Jesus. Give it up. Now, I say all this to say I've had some pretty tough conversations with the woman I'm currently seeing. She said that I've been savage in past relationships and she went so far as to say that I'm a bit selfish now I'll take that I'll wear that badge proudly yeah I'm selfish focus on me focus on my goals and I'm focused on making sure the person that I'm with wants to be happy it ain't got nothing to do with making sure our five-year plans match up they don't have to align like the stars do when mercury is retrograding or whatever the fuck people believe in in astrology I believe all those things will come to pass as you pay the toll. And the toll is time. I remember when I was in Spanish class back in middle school, there was a teacher who had a sign on the clock that said, time will pass, but will you? That's how I feel about relationships. That time going to pass, and that's going to be the ultimate testament of whether or not you will last. And as Forrest Gump says, That's all I have to say about that. Damn right. 
Just for the ones. I'm tweaking, I'm tweaking, I'm tweaking. 